Most of us would remember that incident that took place back in 1979 in the nuclear reactor of Three Mile Island. There was a 56-foot reactor inside of that plant. And to my understanding, what, what happened was on April 1, 1979, a hydrogen bubble that's about the size or occupies the space of an average room. But by April 2nd, 1979, that very bubble became the size of a small closet. At that time, the scientists, the best of scientists in America, did not know why the bubble developed at the first place, or why it shrunk, or if it's not going to explode. There were tens two days. It was against this backdrop that a man wrote a letter to a radio pastor, not about the crisis in Three Mile Island, but about the crisis in his own life. He happened to live nearby, and therefore that was so significant to him. Let me read to you a short excerpt from his letter. He said, apparently everything is going calm down in, at Three Mile Island. I am glad because I live nearby. My own life is a kind of a hydrogen bubble about to blow up. Or maybe there's going to be a meltdown. My anxiety about my life is just as an unbearable level. I feel such an awful guilt about things I have done in the past. Like the accident at Three Mile Island, it is due to human error, my errors. Now just few sins here and there, and my life seemed to have triggered something terrible. I feel as though I will explode and I need peace. I haven't lost my mind, my children, or my wife. In fact, they really aren't aware of how my life has gotten to be out of hand. Can you understand how I feel? End of quote. Even in good economic times, there are many people who are walking around in our neighborhoods and in our offices with an inner bubble in their lives. And these inner bubbles are manifesting themselves in all sorts of ways. They're manifesting themselves in shootings. They're manifesting themselves in illnesses and depressions. They're manifesting themselves in all kinds of ways that we cannot explain and medicine cannot explain. Those inner bubbles that this man is talking about. You know, when I began the series of messages back yonder about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I began by telling you that there is a popular myth in America. And that popular myth says that if we eliminate stress from our lives, we're going to be very happy. And an equally popular myth or a gimmick, really, that is invading corporate America today that says that if you learn how to manage your stress, you're really going to be great. And you're going to be more productive. And you'll be able to handle everything and anything. And yet, as I told you in the very beginning of the series of messages, that God made us not only to respond wonderfully to stress, but He made us to thrive on stress. So we bought a bill of goods from the secular media. And the people in the church have fallen in that trap. I said that for believers... We have some blessings and we have some joys in life that can never be experienced without the benefit of stress. That there are powers and there are victories in life 
that could never be known without facing the mountains of stress. That there are vigors and and excitements in life that would never be realized without feeling the wind of stress blowing in our faces. Certainly my own life, as many of you have read in my book, If God is in control, why my life such a mess? I have come to learn so many of these lessons early in my life. Early in my life, I came to learn that through the agony of wrestling with God, I learned to trust Him. That through the midnight of waiting upon God, I experienced the peace that comes from waiting upon His timing. Through the apparent failures in my life, I have experienced God's success. Through the darkness of stressful times, I was able to see His lovely face. You see, we've been learning in the past several messages how the fruit of the Spirit can only be manifested precisely at those times and at those situations when we are challenged the most. Give you some examples. Love can only be manifested when we are placed in situations to love difficult people, to love the unlovable, to love selfish people. Joy can only be experienced in the midst of joyless circumstances. How else would you know it? That peace can only be known in the midst of a constant strife. Kindness, goodness, gentleness can only be visible when we are facing trials in life. When we are facing very trying people. And self-control can only be had when you and I are focused upon the goal of reaching and receiving the crown of glory in heaven. And here I come to the very last in the series of messages. And I will come full circle back where I began, namely... That the fruit of the Spirit can be manifested not when you are in a monastery escaping the pressures of life, escaping the stresses of life, not when you are running away from your problems, but precisely right in the midst of these problems, in the midst of these stresses and strains of life. That is the only way that the fruit of the Spirit can be manifested. In fact, If the pressures of life and the problems of life will do anything or can do anything, it should drive us further into the arms of the Lord Jesus. It should drive us further into seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It should drive us further into bearing and showing the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you an illustration from my own life. Between 1980 and 1988, I had the privilege of leading a a special evangelistic seminar, and by the nature of the seminar for these particular leaders, we had to go to a very remote place. And um, a dear friend had a place in the mountains of Switzerland, and he said, you can use that conference site. So between 1980 and 1988, I was there every summer, same time, going there to lead this particular ministry. And uh, with my sense of direction, the first day of every year, When I get back, I get lost. I mean really lost. Not just a little lost, but big lost. You would think that I have some intelligence to to remember or make a note or or something, but I didn't. Well, anyway, if I get lost in night times 
oh, God help me. Because these Swiss are very frugal and they don't believe in lights. <laughs> these dark villages at night, I am telling you, they're pitch black. You can't see a thing. So, somehow, between Lausanne and these mountains, I'm always lost. Now, talk about stress. What I would do in the nighttime, I would get somehow close to every, every little tiny street, somehow, a little corner, that has a sign that says, to Geneva. Well, <laughs> that's great if you want to go to Geneva. But I was so glad for a, a familiar town that I can go to, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take me to get there. I learned several spiritual lessons from these stressful times. Whenever I get into trying circumstances, whenever I get into stressful time, whenever the tension of life increases to be stress, the first thing I begin to visualize that sign that says to Geneva, except it says to God. Not to people, not to band-aids, not to gimmicks, not to more books. I thank God for books. I write them myself. Not to this and not to that. To God. Please listen to me. Whenever you face a crisis in your life, whatever it may be, and if you're not facing them now, please take note because you will. (laughs) Whenever you face stressful times in life, whether it be illness or family problems or rejection and pain, or guilt, or sin, whenever you face controlling addiction of any kind, whenever you face frustrations and confusion, there's always that little sign that says, to God. These little arrows should say, to being filled of the Spirit, to emptying yourself of yourself, to the prayer closet, to self-examination. The stresses and the strains of life are far from being your enemies. They ought to be your friends. Let me ask you a question. If you are driving down the highway and all of a sudden you see the dashboard lights comes on and says, engine trouble, what do you do? Do you get out on the side of the road and you pull the wire that's connecting to that light? And say, well, I'll solve the problem. Well, that's something I would do, but I got news for you. It won't work. The first thing you need to do is you go to the mechanic or the electrician, whoever does that kind of stuff, and then you say, fix it. That light is your friend, not your enemy. And the stresses and the strains of life ought to do the same thing. It ought to be your friend that sends you to Jesus, that sends you to the Word of God, that sends you into the prayer closet, that sends you into seeking to be filled with the Spirit of God. And here we are, four decades in America of self-help. And self-management, self-improvement, stress management techniques, self-sufficiency. And our lives are just as desperate as it was 40 years ago. None of this is helping. None of this will help. These are all band-aid. You're putting them on a tumor. It will not help. We need to look for the real sign that says, To your gracious Heavenly Father, and not anywhere else. I used to get into some of these tiny streets and, and, and literally kind of you squeeze the car between the two walls in and, and, and this tiny village of Switzerland. And I, I dared not to stray away from this sign that says to Geneva. <laughs> I mean, I hung in there even if it took me all over the place. I hung in there. Every time I tried to be clever, take shortcuts, 
I would find myself back in the same place that I was an hour and a half earlier. Every time I try to trust my feelings or trust my instincts, I found myself in a stranger and darker and more desolate village. Every time I try to get directions from somebody who did not speak a lick of English, I found myself like a goat in a hailstorm. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. When you are under pressure, don't moan and groan, follow the sign. When you are pressed from every direction, don't trust your feelings. Follow the sign. When you are hassled, don't look for a magic pill or tip over the bottle of Jack Daniels. Follow the sign. When you are afraid and discouraged, don't take drastic measures. Follow the sign. When you find yourself in any addiction of any kind, And escapism is setting in. Get up. Get out. Get away. Follow the sign. And the sign says, repent. Retrace your steps. Where have you fallen? Scripture numerous times has said, retrace your steps. Find out where you have fallen. Because there where you need to go back and make corrections. And then start on the road to glory and to victory again. Repent of it. Manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're not going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit as long as these works of the flesh are working in your life. You know what? I get kind of frustrated when I see Christians are constantly praying for God to change other people. I, I get so frustrated when I see people praying all the time for God to change your circumstances. Now, let me tell you something. I know firsthand and I testify to the power of God for changing people and changing circumstances. I am not doubting that for a moment. But let me tell you something. Before you begin to waste time for God to change others, ask God to change you. Say, God, change me. I'm the one who needs to be changed. In fact, several years ago, I really began. My prayer became, God, change me until that, whatever that is, doesn't hurt anymore. David cried out in Psalm 27, verse 5. Here's what he said. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon the rock. What is that pavilion that David is talking about? What is that pavilion? In every king's court, there is a secret place. Only the king knows about it, and on some occasions he will allow his most trusted friend, the most trusted companion, the most trusted person in his life to know about it. It's a secret place, and that secret place was known as the pavilion. That's what David was praying about. In that pavilion, you can hide from your enemy. In that pavilion, you are safe and secure. Hell would be breaking loose outside of that pavilion, but you are safe. Why? Because you are at peace. No matter what, you're safe. And that is exactly the prayer of David. Please hear me right. If you want to accomplish something that is worthwhile for God, listen to me, please. If you want to accomplish something that is worthwhile for God, don't ever run away. Don't ever give up. 
Just go to God's pavilion. And there you're going to experience His peace. There you're going to experience His serenity. And there you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God, naturally, when He comes into your life, is going to prepare the fruit of the Spirit. If you truly want to be blessed of God, listen to me. If you truly want to be blessed of God, stand. Stand. And stand firm. When you can't seem to put one foot in front of the other, stand. When days come in your life when you seem to be, they seem to be challenging your own very destiny, stand. And remember this, there was never a day that has lasted forever. In fact, George Sweeting once said, he said, there are three things you must remember about stressful time. Write them down. He said, everyone has them. (laughs) The second thing is this, they are temporary. And the third thing, they are opportunity for our development. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Please hear me right. Stress is not unique to you. Stress is not unique to you. Stress was not invented by the Industrial Revolution. Now, admittedly, All this technology stuff is just making it worse. They're supposed to help us. i got news for you. By the time you get on the phone and the voice keeps saying, press one, press two, press three, press five. I'm telling you, that that is a cause of more stress than I can count. For me, at least, I hang up. I just give up. It's not new to us. But I want to tell you that stress began in the Garden of Eden. That's where it began. Adam and Eve brought about, by disobeying God, they brought about the stresses and the strains in life. And from that moment on, the stress of sickness and disease and pain and loneliness and suffering and death, they came upon our world. But all of this is supposed to drive you back to Jesus. He's the only one who can take it away. He's the only one who can relieve you. All of this is supposed to drive you back to the only pavilion, to the only place of peace, even in the midst of stressful circumstances. But you know, there's a major problem in this country. And it's not a small problem. It's a problem with major consequences. And that problem is raising its ugly head in the church of Jesus Christ, society at large, but right there in the church. Among the Christians, those who claim to love God, that problem is there. And the problem has got to do with our modern day approach. And here it is, will you listen to me? If you forget everything I have just said, I don't want you to forget the next few moments, please. I plead with you, I urge you. Because I see this, and the Lord opens my eyes, and many times in my fasting and praying, the Lord shows it to me so clearly. And here's the problem. We who love God or claim to love God have confused happiness with blessedness. We have confused the two in such a way and the devil loves it. We are striving for temporary happiness instead of longing for the virtue of character that comes as a result of the spirit-filled life. What are the results of those confusions? Listen to me, please. I plead with you. Here are the results of this confusion. Is that we're seeking after bigger and better everything. We are seeking to supersize everything. 
We are seeking to have more and more and more and more. Well, when will it end? When we value happiness more than blessedness, we will not tolerate any stresses and strains in life. And yet, as far as I can read in the Scripture, as far as I can see in the Word of God, that the great men and women of faith, every one of them, when they were confronted with a choice between blessedness and happiness, they chose blessedness every moment and every time. Let me give you some examples. Would not be more happy for Abraham to be at Ur where he is enjoying his wealth and his fame and his power than to get up and leave everything and get into the promised land. But there in the promised land was his blessedness, not his happiness. He walked out of happiness into blessedness. Listen to Moses. Wouldn't he have been much happier as a rich pharaoh in Egypt than going out and leading a bunch of yahoos into the wilderness? But he chose the blessedness, not happiness. What about Esther? Esther could have played it safe in the king's harem every time and every day, and she could have lived a long life. But instead, she chose blessedness over happiness by risking her life for God's people. Peter, after the resurrection, he told the disciples, and I'm going fishing. He could have gone fishing, and he could have built the business back up. Now that he's a Christian, the business would have been blessed of God. He would have actually put a a fish symbol in the back of his camel and says, follow me if you love Jesus. (laughs) Happiness? Man, he would have been happy. But he chose blessedness, and blessedness led him to being crucified upside down. The great apostle Paul, he would have been much better off. He would have been much happier in the scholarly pursuit and research and the armchair theology, instead of going out there in the highways and the byways and preaching the gospel and evangelizing and taking risks, he would have been much happier as a scholar over against there where he was stoned, where he was whipped, where he was lashed, where he was imprisoned. But he chose blessedness over happiness. And that's what we cannot seem to understand in this country in this age. I could go on and on and on about the great men and women of God that God blessed so much because they sought blessedness, not happiness. Had any of these men and women have chosen the easy way out of happiness, we would never have heard of them. We would never have been blessed by them. So the question, my beloved friends, the question that you and I must ask ourselves and you cannot escape it, Don't shrug it off. The question that you must ask yourself this very moment, the question that I must ask myself is this, am I searching after happiness or am I seeking after blessedness? Which one am I spending my life pursuing? If you're seeking after happiness, let me make you a promise right now. If you're going to seek after, you choose that, if that's going to be your choice, it's between you and God. And I'm not here to judge you. But I want to make you a promise. You're going to find the stresses of life and the strains of life to be more irritating and more frustrating than anything else in the world. But if you choose and you search for blessedness, you're going to find the stresses of life and only stepping stones that you're going to step on to reach God's success. It's a choice that you have to make. It's a choice that I have to make.
If you choose, after blessedness, you'll step on your problems. If you are seeking after happiness, you will run from counselor to counselor, teacher to teacher, conference to conference, seminar to seminar, church to church, running around, looking for answers, looking for solutions, looking for way out. And you will not find it. You will not find it. You will do that for the rest of your life. But if you are seeking after blessedness, you will be at God's pavilion with all of its peace and serenity in the midst of turbulent and wicked world. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not like an apple tree that produces apple every year on a continuous basis. Every year you kind of expect that to come out. No. Nor is it like the fruit of the month club. That is... One month you get patience, and another month you get kindness. Another month you do this, and another month, well, you know, there were nine, you got 12 months, you got three months doing nothing else, I guess, summertime, give up everything. (laughs) No. The fruit of the Spirit is like a tree that produces these variety of fruit, and they cannot be separated, they cannot be categorized. You see? Healthy love will make you patient at the same time. And when you're patient, you're going to express kindness. And when you're kind and you express kindness, you're going to experience self-control over your impulses. These virtues are there together. They stand together or they fall together. You see, each of them strengthens the other. Each of them upholds the other. They are integrated. I only separated them through this series of messages just to deal with each one of them in a more, in a fuller way. But they stand together, for they are dependent upon each other. And that's precisely why the Apostle Paul uses the singular, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. A lot of people make that mistake. It's a fruit, but it is the works of the flesh. They unite you. You know the psalmist cried out and said, Oh, unite my heart in the fear of thee. That you're not in turmoil. You're not out there in the world living one way and then in the church another way and, and your life seemed to be totally out of balance. No, you're united together because there's only one fruit. Don't ever forget that this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not your fruit. I told you in the very early part of this series of messages that many Christians grit their teeth, work hard, think that they're going to produce, they're going to manufacture these fruit. No, 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 no. This fruit of the Spirit cannot be manufactured by you or me. They're the fruit of the Spirit. When you open your heart to God, when you say, God, there is not a single compartment in my life, in my heart, in my mind that is locked up and says, for me and me alone. When you open everything and every part, even the things that only you know and not a single alive, live soul knows about it. Only you and God do. When you open that up and say, Lord, shine your light through it. Take it over. Destroy the darkness in that particular area of my life. That the Holy Spirit comes in. He fills you. And He will produce the fruit. His fruit, not yours. When you allow God the freedom to take hold of the deepest recesses of your mind and heart, He will complete the job. 
he'll complete the job. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians. He said, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. He's the one who's going to bring it to completion. You can grit your teeth, try to pull yourself by your bootstraps all you can. You're not going to make it. But you open your heart to him and you will know and you will see, you'll experience incredible fullness that you never knew possible. If I had one prayer throughout the series of messages on the fruit of the Spirit, if it has one request I made of God every single day and every week, that he would use this series of messages to fill us as men and women of God with his Holy Spirit in the midst of this crooked generation, that the world will sit and take notice that we are exhibiting not our fruit but the fruit of the Spirit. May God answer my prayer. Shall we pray together? Ask yourself the question, am I seeking after happiness? That's what the Samaritan woman was seeking after, and Jesus said to her, he said, this is like salt water. The more you drink it, the more you want, and you don't realize what damage it's doing to you. May we say no to the salt water of the world and say yes to the fresh water that flows out of Jesus. To us, the Holy Spirit will bring it to us. Lord God, I pray to you on behalf of everyone that is hearing me today that in the name and the power and the might of Jesus, your Holy Spirit will come to people who have sought surrender and unlock every little compartment in our hearts to his lordship, to his authority, to his control, that he may fill us to overflowing, and that, Father, we would be men and women of God that you want us to be. Forbid it, Lord, that after hearing all this, we'll shrug it off, file it away, and move on with life. Forbid it for Jesus' sake, for it is him whom we want to glorify. In his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.